0: To the latest edition of the cast production of the Casper Star Tribune and Pokes Authority. I am Davis Potter, Wyoming beat writer for the Star Tribune, and I am joined, as always, by my sidekick, our uh, managing editor and
1: former Wyoming beatnik, Brandon Foster. Brandon, what's happening? Uh, not, not much, Davis. I know we just did a, a brief rundown of what we're going to discuss today, but I, I kept one uh, bullet point in secret from you. Um, I feel like we need to discuss the fact that Wyoming football now has, uh, you know, fo- uh, football recruits named both DQ and Blizzard. That feels feels very yeah. newsworthy to me. Uh, DQ James uh, had previously signed as a running back, and uh, now they have a, a wide receiver, Jalen Blizzard, so... Um, yeah. feels like a lot of uh marketing opportunity here if, if players are soon allowed to to make use of their uh their likeness to to profit.
0: Right. Let's not forget about Buck Cores either who's uh, already on the roster. Uh, freshman walk
1: on so And Gavin Beard, yeah, as far, yeah, there's a lot of Yeah. Real good yeah, names. it's fair, Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. As far as their football recruiting they're staying very uh on brand. Just cold frosty
1: ones across the, across the board. <laughs> Um, yeah like
0: if if there's like if Wyoming has a a, a blizzard game like I don't oof. know the ne- you know the next few years what is it? it's gonna be blizzard catches it in a blizzard like is that gonna be the call or how are they
1: gonna do that oh they're gonna they're gonna assuming these are you know real contributors to the team I feel like it's gonna get run into the ground uh, you know you, I can just picture the the photoshops of you know first touchdown scored by DQ and it's just like ice cold or something I don't know um <laughs> Honestly, though, if it, if they're you know if that becomes an opportunity, uh, with with the NCAA landscape shifting, I feel like they could make so much money in Wyoming or at least Casper, because I don't know if you're familiar with this Davis, but Casper Dairy Queens tend to have lines that like wrap around the entire building almost 24 hours a day. There's just always an insane line at both DQs in town. I don't know if you're. Uh, <laughs> I I, um, I can't remember no. if Laredice has a DQ. I don't think it does.
0: No, it does. Yeah. Oh, it does. Okay. got. Yeah, we've got Dairy Queen here. What it's am I just misconception! Uh, apparently, the demand's not nearly as as high as it is in <laughs> in Casper. That makes me think about uh, Chick Fil A. Yeah. The, uh, the craze about Chick Fil A that I will never understand. But what do you think the reason for that is?
1: We talk about it a lot. I my theory is it's just an ice cream thing. Like because it it's DQ and it's Wendy's that both have really long lines in casper and uh my thing has always been like okay what do they have compared to other fast food joints and it's you know good ice cream um however i heard an interesting theory the other day that it's because douglas wyoming does not have either of those two chains and so people will actually drive up to casper to uh to eat there uh also i've heard people say it's the salads at wendy's i don't know it's mind-blowing but like the lines are ridiculous. Like they will go out onto Second Street, which is like one of the major streets in Casper, uh from the Wendy's. It's uh or the Jerry yeah. Queen. So anyway, I'm just not saying, but I'm just saying DQ and Blizzard, uh you know, get ready.
0: Yeah. Well, we always appreciate our regular listeners to the postcast here, but uh, that's why anybody that doesn't listen to this regularly should become a regular listener because <laughs> where else are you going to get the fast food rundown around Wyoming? I mean, that's the content you never knew you needed. Well, the in, you can get on in here.
1: theory, I keep telling people that we need to do like a Sunday front, front page story on it, but nobody's is, nobody is biting.
0: <laughs> well, uh, back to the point, Brandon. Uh, there, I guess it's safe to say there are plenty of options for uh, – For Dave Walsh and Kevin McKinney, Uh, you know, if if any of these guys become significant contributors and and score touchdowns or, you know, make impact plays in games in future seasons. Uh, I mean, personally, I think if, you know, Gavin Barrett throws a touchdown pass or or runs for a touchdown or something, they should – the band should just start breaking out with the beer song at the game. Oh, yeah. So, um, that's my two cents on it. Um, But, yeah, if you have not heard, um, we are referring to Jalen Blizzard. Um, yes, that's his real name. A receiver out of Calabasas, California, who became Wyoming's third known commitment for the 2022 recruiting class. Um, he com- I think he committed um, on Monday. Um, I don't. He didn't even announce it himself. At least, not that I've seen. It was actually I saw his uh, the Twitter account of his, of his high school team actually uh, announced his commitment to Wyoming. But um, so yeah, um, third commitment for. Uh, Wyoming there but um, speaking of football Brandon that is mainly what we're going to be talking about here Uh, Wyoming concluded its spring over the weekend with the spring game and a lot to talk about there uh, particularly with the uh, re-engineered offense that uh, Craig Bull and that coach of staff have been talking about ad nauseum this offseason Wyoming basketball also uh, used its final available scholarship to bring in a junior college all-american point guard um, so they are now at the 13 scholarship limit for the 2021-22 season. But Brandon, before we dive into that, I, I just had to mention this. I don't know. It's very extremely sad news, but, um, Colt Brennan, the former Hawaii quarterback, uh, record setting quarterback for Hawaii, um, died earlier this week at the age of 37, reportedly from a drug overdose, which I mean, the, the whole thing's just sad, man, but, I, I I remember, um, you know, back in, when, in my gaming days, which was basically, like, high school, college. Um, you know, I, When I played, like, NCAA football, like, 07 or 08, whatever year it was, when, when Colt Brennan was at Hawaii, uh, I always used to play uh, start a dynasty with them just to see if I could throw for, like, 10,000 yards every year. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that, I sort of grew up, like, Colt, like, Dude, that that off, Colt Brennan and and when he was there and June Jones and them when they were at Hawaii, like that they were the reason that you stayed up till one o'clock. You know, you're, you're on Eastern time or Central time. You know, staying up till like one midnight um, to watch those late uh, games out on the island. Um, yeah, just just really sad news all the way around from that.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the kind of magical parts of college football is is sometimes you know you're uh, you know especially maybe when you're. a a younger teenager or or you know however uh old you are at that point and you're like man i didn't even know this place had a football team and now i am extremely invested in watching this team called the rainbow warriors uh do crazy things on offense three time zones away from me um you know that's just a lot of the fun of uh a college football um i think sometimes when wyoming's on the on the big stage, they can be that, that quirky, fun team to watch for, for people in other parts of the country. But um, yeah, definitely very very sad news to to see that.
0: And I think people forget just how good Colt Brennan was as a college quarterback. Like I know Hawaii is going to put up a bunch of stats, uh, you know, throwing the ball and that run and shoot offense. You know, as much as they throw it, but I, I can't remember who who tweeted this, but I saw this on my uh, timeline uh, sometime on, on Tuesday. Uh, Somebody tweeted out his stats from his career season by season. I think it was his junior year. He attempted almost 600 passes at nearly 10 yards an attempt and still completed more than 72% of his balls. Like, that's really, really, really hard to do. Um, So, I mean, it's not just the fact that they threw it a bunch. It's the fact that he was actually good. You know, he was was an accurate college career and and had a good supporting cast. And, I mean, there's a reason they made it to the Sugar Bowl that, that one year. I mean, they got beat pretty bad by Georgia. But... Um, you know, that, that that was a he was a really 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 good college quarterback.
1: Yeah, I think so, uh I I pulled it up. He had um f- over 14,000 passing yards in his career. He had uh <laughs> it that's only 3 that's seasons. That's insane. <laughs> 131 touchdowns, 42 picks with a passer rating of 167.6 uh according to sportsreference.com. So, yeah, and in a in a career passing uh, a completion percentage of seventy point four. It's wild. It boggles
0: boggles the mind. But um anyway, um, you know, prayers obviously to to his his family and friends and and his loved ones. Uh but Brandon, um before we jump into Wyoming football, um I wanted to hit on the the addition that the basketball team has made, and that is um junior college point guard Dang DeWitt who was an All-American in his one season at the College of Southern Idaho. He was a freshman, um, so he'll have multiple years of eligibility remaining at Wyoming, um, but scored 14.7 points a game, averaged more than five assists and five rebounds per game, shot 51% from the floor and 48% from three-point range, which I believe was like sixth, uh, sixth highest clip in the country uh, in terms of Juco basketball um NJCAA first team All American and, and a heck of a, a last minute get for Jeff Linder uh because uh Dangler had actually signed with Portland. He wasn't even available as of like late April and then Portland's coach Ben Johnson leaves to take an assistant job on Tim Miles staff at San Jose State. And I think the uh overriding thought there was that he was just gonna follow uh, Ben Johnson to San Jose State, but Wyoming ultimately uh, becomes the beneficiary in that situation, and I think mean, I think he's he's a plug and play guy for them, um, and a, a big uh, kid too, about six foot four, six foot five. Um, but you know, I mean, look, he'll have to come in and earn it just like everybody else. But you're not recruiting junior college kids, particularly at a position of need like Wyoming has at the point uh, with with plans to sit him on the bench. Um, you know, I think if he he comes in and does what he's supposed to do, I think I'll be shocked if he's not their starting point guard. Um, come next season's opener, and, and I think that you've got a, a pretty versatile roster now. If, if you're a Wyoming, you now look, we'll see what happens um, the rest of the way. Because right, as of now, again, they're at their scholarship limit for next season. Uh, but with this one-time transfer rule into effect, you know, it, you know, at any point, somebody else could uh, transfer out of the program. Now, you would think. With that rule already being officially in effect that if, if these kids were going to transfer, they would have done it by now. But, you know, who knows? I mean, the, the, this stuff is so fluid and things seemingly change by the day. But you're looking at potential lineups next season. Um, I, I think you got Dang Duet will be your point. I think Xavier Ducell, I think uh, Hunter Maldonado, and Graham Eke. I think those four are about as good as entrenched uh, in, in terms of, of what what's going to be their everyday lineup. But there's some options here now. Uh, you know, if you wanna, you wanna go big. You know, you could play Hunter Thompson and, and Graham Ek together. Uh, you know, again, I mentioned um, Dang DeWitt's size at six foot four, six five. You wonder maybe if he might could slide over to the two. Um, you know, you, you move Hunter Molinero to the three, uh, and maybe you play the, the freshman Noah Riddle's at the point from time to time. It's gonna be interesting to see how, how all this plays out. And you know, if you if you wanna go small. Um maybe you put Hunter Thompson back at the five and play the five out sort of like you did before Graham Eke became available last season um and don 't forget too you got the the Utah transfer Brendan Wenzel uh who can play on the wing um you know, you got kenny Foster so it 's going to be interesting to see how they end up using some of these guys and, and what this rotation and, and and lineups end up looking like because there 's a lot of versatility now with some of the players that they brought in,
1: yeah and uh Second, if I'm not mistaken, second guard in recent years they brought over from CSI, the College of Southern Idaho. Uh, I think Jake Hendricks was also a transfer from there. So, it's um, you, yeah. CSI Laramie. There's another, you know, free poster <laughs> idea for uh, anyone who's extremely bored. Um, yeah, no, I think it 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 also kind of answers a question that we had speculated on a few episodes back of you know they obviously lost. Uh, you know, key contributor because of the transfer uh, eligibility rule. And we wondered if they would, you know, on the flip side, bring anyone in because of that. And uh appears, right. you know, that was not the direction they went in, bringing in a, a high school player and a uh, Juco transfer to fill those last two spots. So um doesn't mean they won't, you know, going forward, but um, that's kind of how, how that played out.
0: Yeah, and I'm not surprised. And look, they they were reportedly after a lot of grad transfers too, because you know Marcus Williams leaving left a huge hole at the point. I mean, you wonder if maybe Xavier Ducello might could slide over there from time to time. But I mean, I think he's a budding star uh, off the ball as as a prototypical two guard. I mean, I think he's I, mean, I think he's in line to be one of the better shooters in the Mountain West next season. I mean, he was percentage wise, he was far and away. Um, their best three-point shooter last season and really started getting in a groove late in the year. So I think you pretty much want to keep him there, which is why I think they brought in two point guards. And, you know, the first one was Noah Reynolds, the, the freshman from Peoria, Illinois. But you figured, you know, w- w- you're, with you're bringing in a, a true freshman that doesn't have any experience at the collegiate level, I think that's why you saw them go out and scurry the, the junior college and grad transfer markets, because I think you you know, if you, if you can go out there and get somebody that's, that's experienced and has done it at, the, at some level of college ball, and obviously Dang DeWitt has done that um, having played one season in junior college, um, you know, I, I think you would much prefer that. Um, and, and, and I think he's going to be more than serviceable. I, th- I think, I mean, you go to the junior college ranks I mean, and, and sign a player from there, you're expecting him to be an impact player. And, I, again, I think that's what they're getting here in DeWitt. I think he's going to be a plug-and-play guy. Um, again, he's going to have to come in and, and earn it and, and show his mettle. Uh, I don't think the job's just going to be given to him. But, I mean, I think this was sort of their plan all along was, hey, we, we've got a real need at point, and let's see if we can go out there and get some a guy with experience to fill that role, at least for the majority of the time.
1: Yeah, and it'll be, uh, you know – interesting to see if he can lock down that point guard role going forward and maybe they can have a little bit of consistency there i'm trying to remember back to um obviously the last year marcus was a, a breakout there a breakout star at that position but um you know he's no longer on the team and, and going back before that i'm trying to remember who who was running the point for them um, maybe you can loop me in on that in the in the two previous seasons, um, but it's been a position in the last like five six years where there just hasn't been that um, you know consistency. That you know back when I was on the beat for a while, it was Jeremy yeah. Lieberman um, who kind of uh, more or less seemed to lose out on some minutes to Cody Kelly, and then there was you know Nye Redding was supposed to figure in there, but never really locked right. down that position. So I mean, if if you got a a guy consistently running the floor for a couple of years, I think that can that can benefit a program long term as well.
0: Well that that was the I think that was the issue in Alan Edwards last season at the helm because you remember Justin James was the point. Um, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, in that in that eighteen nineteen season and then nineteen twenty they really didn't didn't have you mentioned Nia Redding, I think they were maybe dependent on him. Um and then he got some legal trouble obviously and didn't didn't play, but um yeah I mean that was a huge void for this team going into Jeff Linder's first season uh which is why you saw i mean yes he was talented obviously, but that's why you saw part of the reason why Marcus Williams took over is as, as their regular point guard from day one because I, I don't just don't think they had anybody else in the roster that um you know really constitutes as a, as a primary ball handler and distributor now you know Hunter Maldonado played that position some too. Uh, you know, they, they sort of just did by committee Allens last season because they didn't really have a true point. Uh, and, and obviously they, they had one last year. Marcus, you bring in a kid like Dane DeWitt from the junior college ranks uh, who's sort of proven himself, uh, at least at the junior college level. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it makes all the difference in the world uh, to have sort of a... Uh, the captain of your ship, so to speak, and, and the leader of the offense that can that can uh, you know get you get you in rhythm, distribute the ball, call out plays, and and sort of set, set the tempo of your offense. And you know Jeff Lenders' teams like to go fast, and um, so, so it, it, yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens because you, you look you know they do I think like to play quote unquote smaller, um, but I think that's more just from a tempo thing. They like to get up and down. But you again, if they were to you know, slide Dane Dewitt over to the two at some points. So you have a, a six five two guard. You got Kenny Foster, Hunter Maldonado, Brendan Wensel. All of them are, are are six foot five or taller. If you play Hunter Thompson at the four, he's six ten. You play uh, Graham Eke at the five, he's six nine six ten. So I think they got a lot more size um, than they had last season. And um, but I, I just don't know how how often you want to move Dane Dewitt off the point if you don't really have. Uh, any other options so yeah I mean absolutely it'll be interesting and and again a pretty good at least on paper um, late addition for this Wyoming men's basketball team going into next season but uh, Brandon let's go ahead and take a break there and then we come back we will recap what we saw at the spring football game take inventory of what transpired at Wyoming's spring football game over the weekend. Um, obviously, the the main storyline there being the first public display of Wyoming's offense under first-year coordinator Tim Polisek. And uh, Brandon, I would ask you if you watched the game, <laughs> but I know you didn't because Outside of, uh, or I should say, unless you were actually at the game, um, you weren't able to watch it because Wyoming did not uh, stream the game, which to be honest, I thought was sort of weird because it's like, you know, you've been hyping up this, this offense and you've been encouraging fans to come out and watch, watch the game. And so uh, even if they couldn't be there, why wouldn't you give them the option of of uh of watching it um, from wherever they are, but after seeing what they did offensively and uh, how much they decided to show, I now understand why they did not <laughs> uh, stream the game. Because uh, Brandon, they uh they ended up showing a lot more than I thought they would. I mean, I've I've covered I think now seven spring games as a uh, as a college beat writer, and uh, I've never seen a, a an, an offense in a spring game. Um, you know, be willing to, 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 show as much as they did. Um, and so obviously, you know, they didn't, I guess they didn't want to put that on tape for anybody. So unless you were there, you, uh, you didn't get to see it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a, a trade off I, I can live with if, uh, at least they actually showed you something. And if that means they weren't, weren't gonna make it available on video, then, you know, I guess that beats the alternative of them streaming a very boring spring game. So, uh, yeah, I debated briefly getting down to Laramie for it, but did did not get a chance to watch, but was very, uh, very happy to see that they gave you a show.
0: Yeah. Well, I would have, uh, I would have took my hat to your, uh, to your level <laughs> of co- commitment to, to the, to the research for this podcast. Had you done that? Um, uh, but yeah, so formationally, I mean, they didn't show everything, but I mean, you know, they showed your, the, the typical 12, 21 personnel, um, empty sets, I mean, the first play from scrimmage was a, a pass out of an empty set. Uh, so, I mean, you had that. You had um, throws on first down, second down, but the earlier downs, uh, you know, it wasn't just the the run, run, you know, pass, punt on display. I mean, the, even a few trick plays. Uh, and even uh, the throwback pass to an offensive lineman who was eligible. Now, Alonzo Velasquez didn't go anywhere. Uh, he was uh, – I think he was tackled for like a 10, 15-yard loss, which – Craig Bowles sort of um, joked about after the game, and said he, you know, he was gonna he was gonna fire Tim set because he didn't know why he would he would call a play that uh, that would lose ten yards. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, just a lot more variation. Uh, I think a lot more dimensions to what they're doing offensively. I mean, there, there were jet sweeps, perimeter runs, so not everything was through the a gap and between the tackles. Uh, I know Tim Polacek talked about that some, but you still didn't know just because of how you know, tight-lipped they were throughout the spring of, hey, we're, you know, we're not going to talk about anything we're doing. You, you wondered exactly how much they were going to show um, and just in terms of the diversity. And I think that this was everything that fans could have expected uh, and more. Um, so, uh, and look, it's a spring game, so you don't want to put too much into it, you know, knowing the usual cir- circumstances surrounding a spring game. Um, and and Sean Chambers even said it afterward. You know, it's one thing to sit there and pile up a bunch of stats and touchdowns and look good in a spring game. It's another thing to be able to go out there in the fall against real opponents uh, and real defenses, mostly who are going to have their first and second stringers in the game and and produce the same way. And that's what everybody's really going to be waiting on is to see how this translates over into the fall. But if you're a Wyoming fan and you were at that game uh, and saw what took place, I don't think there's any way that you left there Thinking anything other than, okay, all right, I'm encouraged. I'm hopeful that this offense will be more balanced, more diversified, uh, and more unpredictable than what it has been in recent years.
1: Yeah. Uh, I guess, can you describe a little bit in more detail what exactly a pass to an offensive tackle looks like? So, did he just, he was made eligible and just, you know, went out in the flat as soon as they snapped it and uh, they threw it back to him? Or how how did he lose 10 yards? (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, yeah. So he was made eligible in the play. Now I don't remember exactly. It was, it was a. They sent the the action to one side of the field. I don't remember if it was like a, a jet sweep look or a hand. I don't remember like how the how the play actually evolved. But yeah, like the Alonso Velasquez, he drifted behind because at that point it has to be a, a, a technically a lateral, so a backward pass. So he, he has to be uh, further okay. back in the backfield than the, whoever's throwing the ball. Um, and again, I can't remember if it was a running back or receiver, or, or what the origination of the play was. But yeah, he, I mean, it had it had to be a lateral, so he, they technically had to throw it backward to him, which is why he had to be deeper um, than than the person throwing the ball. And, and I don't even remember who made the play, but they were basically sitting there waiting on it. So, which which was interesting because. I actually asked Chuck Hicks, the the linebacker, after the game, if if uh, they had seen that at all during practice, and he said no. I mean, he said, you know, they he knew it was a possibility that they might be able to dial up something, but they hadn't they had not seen that um, particular play all spring. So, um, yeah, I mean, but I mean, I, I think you know, you, you see that. That's just, I think it's just an indication of how. I, I mean. Yes, the offense is going to be different. I don't want to sit here and just say how, how, an indication of how different it's going to be because they're, you know, they're still going to have a lot of elements of what they've been doing. But I think just more of the unpredictability of it, uh, I, I think that's a good indication of, of what you might be able to see this fall.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I feel like, um, that is such a bad idea to throw behind the scrimmage to it <laughs> an offensive tackle that, like, that tells me two things, or tells me one, they are, very cognizant of the fact that people wanted to see some non-boring stuff because that is definitely a play you can af- probably afford to burn in the spring game. That's not a—I could be wrong. I didn't see it, but it doesn't sound like a winning winning formula. So I don't think that's a trick play that you say, "Oh, we got to save that for you know the two-point conversion in the fourth quarter." Right. So well, well, the thing,
0: thing they, well, the the thing was too—they called
1: that like midfield,
0: and that's normally a yeah. play you're going to call at the goal line, right? So right. I mean, it, it's all about
1: situation too. I mean, maybe I'll be maybe I'm wrong, and I'll look stupid, and they'll run it in the game. But to me, that says that they very much were were aware that fans wanted to see something fun. Uh, and I'll take it a step further: what if they actually, you know, showed everyone so much fun uh, stuff on offense, and and so so many new uh, styles of offense to re-trick people, and then they're just going to show up in September <laughs> with the same old boring offense? Maybe it's just a red herring. Man, you gotta, you gotta be a step ahead.
0: <laughs> uh, I think there would be riots in the streets of Laramie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that would that would uh, that would be something that would that would definitely be a story, uh, considering how much they've talked about it. Um, <laughs> but but anyway, the uh, so obviously the, the quarterback battle still ongoing, technically, according to Craig Bowl and, and everybody within that program. Um, but I, I, I mean. I thought the quarterbacks looked good. I mean, they completed right at 60% of their passes combined. I'm talking about Sean Chambers and Levi Williams uh, specifically. Uh, Went 18 for 30. uh, And the quarterbacks, they had four passing touchdowns on the day. Now, now Jaden Clemens, uh, the the walk-on transfer from Utah, he he threw one of them in the second half. But, Brandon, I don't don't remember – I don't know if Wyoming has had four passing touchdowns in a game since I've been – on in the two years that I've been on this beat. I mean, I know they had three, I believe, in the Arizona Bowl – um, in two thousand back in two thousand nineteen, but I I don't think I've seen Wallman throw four passes in a game.
1: Yeah, I uh, I wonder if the um, potato bowl is maybe the last time they did it. I can't even remember if that was a a four touchdown yeah. game, but yeah, I uh that'd be my my best guess is that they haven't uh, done it for you yet. So you yeah. Know. Um, yeah how was uh oh go ahead no
0: go ahead what were you gonna ask
1: i was just kind of curious how uh how the environment was actually having you know a game in front of fans again for the first time uh in a year and a half uh
0: well my biggest takeaway was the student section who who broke out just about every chant in the book um yeah they they did the you know, I believe that we will win, which, you know, very clever for a spring game. Um <laughs> against your own team. Oh, I like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they they talked about C S U um, you know, in, in unflattering ways. Um but I mean over overall <laughs> I thought it was I mean I think it was about as good as you can expect for a spring game. I mean I think they had about half capacity. I didn't see anybody in the in the uh in the upper deck. Um, so it was mainly just people scattered around the, the lower deck, but uh, I remember driving around before the game, uh, you know, on my way into the stadium and I mean the, the, the tailgating, I mean, it looked like a regular game. I mean, the, the stadium lot was packed with people. So, um, you yeah, know, it, it was good to, to, to see an environment that, that looks like, you know, something much more close to resembling normalcy
1: at, at a college football game. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. Um, and I used that uh, stall tactic to look up the last time they had four touchdowns. Um, okay. I think it was. I knew you were up to something. <laughs> well, no, I was also curious. It would have been been nice to, yeah, sit in a stadium again. Uh, it was part of the the draw to potentially coming down there. But I believe it was the um, the win against New Mexico and homecoming in 2017, actually, that they had. Four touchdown passes of the last time uh, they had three in that uh, bowl win against Central Michigan. Yeah. So, um, I'm okay, yeah, it's uh, it's been a little while. Um,
0: did they, have, did they have three in the Arizona Bowl? Do you have that up? Let's see. I thought they did,
1: maybe I'm wrong. They had three in the that was uh, against Georgia State, or do I have? Yeah, wrong? That was yeah the there's are three. Three in that game, correct. Um, yeah,
0: right. I thought so.
1: Yeah, in uh, in uh, 2018, they peaked at two in a game. Uh, and they had three also in 2019 against Nevada.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I thought they had three in the Arizona Bowl. But, yeah, I mean, look, the top, Sean and Levi looked good, I thought, for the most part. Um, I, know I, was, I was. I guess I was more impressed. Maybe if you had to make me pick one. Um, I was probably a little bit more impressed with, with Levi what he did. Now, look, I think the the format of the game sort of played more to Levi's strengths, just because uh, the quarterbacks weren't live, so they you know didn't have any design runs for the quarterbacks, which is obviously a big part of Sean's mm-hmm. game and, and, and something they're going to use. But I thought, particularly from a velocity standpoint, Levi Williams' uh, arm looked stronger than I've ever seen it look. Now, maybe that's some recency bias on my part because you know, he was injured last year and just you know, didn't have a whole lot of, of strength in, in his shoulder toward the end of last season. So maybe it's just been a while since, I, since I've seen him at full strength. But you know, he even talked about after the game that you know, his, his shoulder feels you know, even stronger than it did before the injury last season. And it, I mean, the, the zip on his passes was noticeable. Um, I mean, there, there was one throw I remember that I actually tweeted about well, I, if I remember correctly, I think it was a five-step drop from under center, and he planted his foot and threw to the wide side of the field from the far hash on a rope. And I remember, like, when I saw I was like, whoa, because I don't know if I've ever seen a, in my time on the beat a, a quarterback uh, throw a ball like that. I mean, with that sort of velocity um, and, and that distance, um, I mean, that, that sort of took me back some. And so I – I thought that was really impressive, um, and I, you know, Sean did some good things too. He had the the touchdown pass to to X out of the backfield. Um, you know, they're going to put out a depth chart. Um, Craig Bull said he said they're probably going to release at some point at some point this week. But he even said, you know, that it's not going to be etched in stone. And you know, so th- this thing it sort of sounds like whoever they name as the starter um, is just basically going to be the starter leading into the fall. Cause it sounds like this thing could. Um, still play out come fall camp. But, um, you know, I, in terms of, you know, the, the the last spring audition for the starting job, I, you know, I, I didn't think anybody, any of those quarterbacks hurt themselves. Now, they weren't perfect. You know, they had a, they, both of them had an interception um, there in, in the second half. But uh, I think that spoke more to their confidence at that point and their mindset because, in the second half, they rotated in and out with, with the third and fourth string guys. So most of their action came in the first half. I mean, of, of those 30 passes that he combined to throw, 21 of those came in the first two quarters. Uh, and so, you know, they built up confidence in that first half. And, you know, the, the, you know, Sean admitted after the game that, you know, it, his throw was into double coverage and into traffic. And, you know, was a pass, he probably shouldn't have thrown. But you sit there and think to yourself, you know, after watching this passing game the last couple of years, well, you know, if if they didn't, uh, if they weren't confident in what they were doing, you know, if they had gone out there and they had completed only three of their first ten passes, you know, that's probably a throw they don't even attempt to make because they don't think that they could do it. Um, so for so for them to go out there and, and even just try to you know make some throws maybe that they shouldn't, you know, it, it's the spring. I mean, you, you probably and you're probably more willing to take a risk in, in a spring game, obviously like that where it, it's not going to hurt you. But um, yeah, I mean, I thought a really solid overall day. Uh, for these quarterbacks, knowing the way that this passing game has performed in the last few years, uh, again, I think I think it's I think it's hopeful if you're a Wyoming fan watching what what happened through the air on Saturday.
1: Yeah, so you're saying, uh, athlete injured his shoulder and came back with a stronger arm. Uh, to me, this sounds like a little bit of a Henry Rowan Gardner situation. Um, if you're familiar really? with the 1993 classic Rookie of the Year. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, well I didn't I didn't of losing a quarterback to the Chicago Cubs sounds like yeah well I didn't say that you said
0: that but <laughs> um Scoops. yeah I, I mean I didn't see him throw I mean it, none of his throws knocked anybody down that I saw like <laughs> you know trying to you know and they weren't that powerful but yeah I, I thought there was a there was a noticeable difference um in just the zip that he had on, on his passes so um defensively I don't I don't know I mean there ain't I don't think there's a whole lot to take away. I mean, some of their better players didn't play um, at all. And if they did play, they played very few snaps. I mean, Chad Muma didn't play at all. He was basically a coach on the sideline. You know, Garrett Carl played here and there. Um, So, you know, I I mean, the second half was really to to start, you know, emptying the bench and just letting everybody get a chance to play. So, I mean, the offense was the story. That's what everybody was watching closely going into that game. And, again, I mean, it's spring, so – don't take too much from it, but it's at least encouraging what they do on that side of the ball. So.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know, I, again, don't want to read too much into a game I did not watch. And that even if I had, you know, it's a exhibition to control your own team. But, you know, maybe this adds a little clarity to the uh, storyline we discussed last week, I believe, about, you know, wait, why is the QB competition so close? And is that something we should be worried about well if if levi williams is out there looking like a new quarterback uh, maybe the answer to that is you know yes it actually is that close and no you know we don't need to be worried it's actually a, a positive thing so let's hope that that's the case
0: yeah and i think there's also too an expectation um with sean knowing that again these are his first live reps in more than a year i think so you know, I mean he, he wasn't going to come back and, and set the world on fire I mean it was going to take him some time but I thought I thought he looked fine outside of a outside of a few throws but I mean you could say that for both of those guys so um, again, I just I think the theme is just encouraging and hopeful if you're a Wyoming fan that this that this offense is going to be the kind of different look that Craig Bowl and his coaching staff have been talking about um, all off season. Uh, I think another performance worth noting is, is Titus Swin. Um, talk about another guy who's who has been uh, out of action for a while. Their um, sophomore running back who opted out last season after sort of breaking out a bit as a freshman back in 2019 when he was their third leading rusher. I um, he had 155 all-purpose yards on seven touches. He had one he had one catch and six uh, carries. Uh, one of those carries, he broke a couple touches, a uh, couple tackles, I should say, for a 55-yard touchdown, and then his lone. Our reception was a screen pass where the defense snuffed it out. I can't remember who was, who was there at the line of scrimmage, but made a guy miss at the line of scrimmage and then booked at 71 yards. So, um, he didn't show a whole lot of rest at all. And so now you get him back if, if he's able to perform like that and sort of compliment what, uh, Xavier Valade, and Trey Smith can do. Um, yeah, you know, it just makes this makes this offense all the more dangerous, which is, I can't believe I'm sort of saying that right now. <laughs> um you know just considering what it's looked like in in previous years but um yeah he he had a really good day
1: yeah i mean if they're able to to even build on their running game success and and uh the positive indications from the past game actually hold up that uh that changes the outlook of your season a whole lot and yeah that depth is very exciting just how many guys they have back there who can you can trust to run the ball and and uh carry the load and i think you tweeted you know uh was it trey smith alluded a little bit to us potentially seeing a couple guys on the field not that they want to give anything away but you know why not you've got that much depth uh make make uh offenses you know think twice and and i think you know in theory in an ideal world uh these passing uh, plays and everything aren't coming at the cost of rushes it, you know the hope is you're going to have more plays on offense because you're going to not be punting as you know frequently early in drives suddenly you have long extended drives you wear down defenses you can still get that run game uh it's share of the of the load and i don't know pa- uh, paired with the defense they've got that you know suddenly there's a there's a lot of reason to be optimistic again you know i don't want to read into a spring game too much but um that's uh that seems like the recipe for success
0: yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Trey Smith because uh, I do have a story out on Trey at treb.com and postauthority.com, uh, just about his his continued pursuit um, of his dream to play in the NFL uh, and follow his his dad's footsteps, despite you know being his seventh year in college now and being a, I guess by the time next year's draft rolls around, he'll be 26 years old. So um, you guys can check that out if you are, are interested in that. But yeah, it was interesting talking to him because he, he mentioned he talked a lot about blocking. And how his role, you know, could be, uh, you know, blocking for X or blocking for who, whoever he needs to block for, and mentioned that a lot. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, that sounds a lot like a fullback. And so I, you know, I asked him if, you know, does that mean that him and X might be on the field uh, at the same time uh, in some formations? And yeah, he was like, you know, not going to give anything away, but um, it's definitely a possibility. And I think he said, you know, there's going to be a lot of surprises in this offense. So take that for what you will. But, uh, Trying to think, you know, any other massive takeaways. Um, Zaire Jackson, they're, they, they're true freshmen and the only early enrollee from their 2021 signing class. Um, he made a couple of impact plays. Uh, there was a botched punt, um, and he was on the on the rush team, and um, he actually got to the punter and, and stripped the ball out of his hands and and walked into the end zone for that, and then had an interception of Levi in the fourth quarter. So. Um, wonder if maybe he might be able to provide them some depth behind, uh, CJ and Azizi there at corner, but yeah, they pretty much belong to the offense.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, going back to Trey Smith, you mentioned, you know, he, uh, is hearing it a little bit about being the, the old man on the squad and he wants to finish or uh, follow, excuse me, in his father's footsteps. Um, apparently the Jaguars are very much into signing old people. So, um, maybe he can literally follow in his dad's footsteps, uh. So. This is a, oh, have this they a, signed some older players or something? This is a Tim Tebow illusion. Yeah, I assume Tim Tebow is very old. I guess I don't know. <laughs> At this yeah, point, I was, but
0: I was being, I was being facetious. Ah. I know who you're talking about. Um, Thirty-three. Yeah, that's. Yeah, it's interesting in itself. Um, <laughs> all right, Brandon. I think we can go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, any parting shots before we get out of here?
1: Uh, no, I think that that covers it. Uh, another spring camp in the books.
0: All right, well, uh, be sure to uh, check out all of our coverage at Trib.com and PokesAuthority.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at PokesAuthority. You can follow me on Twitter at Davis E. Potter. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at BeFoster91. Uh, This podcast is on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Omni, so be sure to subscribe, download it, give us that five-star rating. This podcast can also be found on our website at the PokesCast link, which is updated each time a new episode is published. Uh, Brandon, appreciate you joining me. Appreciate all of you guys, as always, for listening. And we will talk to you again next week.